a Podcast One production. Beyonce is not exactly right. She's right in so many ways, believe me. But when she says who run the world and everyone says with her girls, it's not quite correct in one aspect of living in a democratic society. Politics. Well, certainly not Australian politics. I'm Adam Peacock and this episode of Peacock Politics is all about women in politics. Why does it appear the running of the country is mainly a man's world? What's the barrier? Is there a barrier? Has it just worked out this way or is there really a major, major issue? I mean, 30 Australians have been Prime Minister. One of them, just one, has been a woman, Julia Gillard. And that wasn't exactly a smooth period in our history. My guest is Fiona Nash, who served as a Senator in New South Wales for the National Party for 13 years. Fiona, thank you for your time. Now, I have problems, like all men, putting myself in a woman's world, in women's shoes. So some things I get right, some things I get very wrong. So during this chat, if I get something very wrong, don't hesitate to jump on me and say, you're being a bloke, you're being a dick, stop it, please. Adam, you're being a bloke, you're being a dick, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay I'm just practising. <laughs> Thanks. No worries. Uh, no, seriously, Fiona, thank you for your time. Um, okay, an easy one Pleasure. first up. Is life different for a woman rather than a man in Australian politics? Yeah, I think it is. I definitely think it is, but it would depend on the woman you spoke to as to how different, and it would depend on the blokes you speak to as to how different they think it is. You can't be just black and white about it. It is it is different, but it's different in different ways for different people. It's like, you know, we've all got different characters, different personalities, react to things differently, do things differently, but having been a woman in politics, it, it is different. So there's then the the things that you've seen and the things that you felt personally, how you've been treated. I'll start with that one first. Did you have any issues by the fact that you were a woman in politics? No, I was really fortunate, Adam, that I never felt that. There were plenty of stouches. There were plenty of times where things were tough, but I never felt because I was a woman that was creating a big problem. That is not to say that other women don't have a problem. Absolutely, and I completely accept that there are times and circumstances where, where women do. I guess I was just a bit fortunate that uh, that I didn't have that particular challenge. So have you seen instances where you've thought to yourself, gee, that's really tough on her, and the only reason it's tough on her is because of her gender? Or is oh, it a little more nuanced than it's that? It's more nuanced than that. Um, Julie Bishop said a while ago that... It was interesting talking about ideas coming up around a table and being considered. And uh, and I think she was referring to there there was a a particular occasion where a fellow had said something and the other blokes in the room said, great idea. And she'd said, but hang on, I said that just a few minutes ago and you all just (laughs) ignored me. So there's that sort of thing. Um, I think you do the high jump bars higher for women. When I was in politics and I remember talking to one of my female cabinet colleagues at one point and thinking and saying to each other, we have to perform so much higher than the blokes. For some, somehow mediocrity is often accepted in blokes where it isn't in women. If you're mediocre in something as a woman, you know, you'll tend to get the whole, gee, they're not doing very well. Um, If a bloke's being mediocre, well, it kind of just slips through to the radar. Do you find that it's pointed in, in certain directions, things like motherhood or um, family provider? That, that's the first thing that comes to mind when, um, say, a woman's not jumping over that high jump bar or is it, is it something else? That's a good question and I don't know. I think it probably sits in, 
in the the brain of the beholder, if you like, and how people are perceiving the women around them. Um, certainly if there's a woman in a room and there's a bloke in a room, they'll expect the woman to get the cup of tea. Um, that happens quite often. I was in a room once and there was a very, very high-level executive woman in the room and the fellow that was in the room basically said, oh, yeah, cup of tea would be great with milk, thanks, girly type of thing. And I thought, oh, my Lord, you have no idea who you're speaking to. What happened? uh, (laughs) I don't think she got the cup of tea. (laughs) Uh, But but it's that that sort of thing. But not not for me, fortunately, to, to any great degree. I had plenty of stouches, but I never felt like someone was having a crack at me because I was a woman. I had a... A long time ago, I had a quite famously at the time uh, exchange with former Senator Bill Heffernan mm. walking down an aero bridge onto a plane at six o'clock in the morning in Canberra and we were having a, a rather heated discussion about single desk for wheat. He wanted to get rid of single desk. I thought it should stay as did the rest of the nationals. What we was were, that, single? Oh, single? So the way wheat was marketed okay. through a single, uh, a single desk rather than opening it up, which subsequently happened mm. thanks to the, to the Libs and the Labor Party, uh, which turned out to be... Not a good idea. But anyway, sit that to one side. So we were having this rather uh, heated exchange on the Arabish and, and he was having a real crack. And you know, I was having a bit of a crack back and there's people everywhere. But I never thought at the time he was having a go because I was a woman. Mm. He was having a go because he disagreed with what I thought. So I was fortunate that most of the stashes I had along the way were on that basis. So I did point out after that that I didn't think Bill was a morning person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not all of us are. Don't worry. <laughs> Not all of us are. Right. Five o'clock's a good time of day. Oh, it's a horrible time of day. <laughs> it's time for possums to go home. It's not for, for people to get up. Yeah. With motherhood, um, did you did it cross over for you? Um, yeah, being ab- my, absolutely. How tough is that? I mean, I've, I've seen, I've, I remember stories of... Um, people getting the, the tut-tut about breastfeeding in, in parliaments happened at state and uh, federal level, from that element all the way through to, you know, your children going to school and those things that you're trying to manage outside in your personal life while you're trying to um, run the country. Yeah, it, it, it is tricky and I have the two most beautiful boys in the whole world. They're just fantastic, Will and Henry. They're, gosh, 26 and 24 now. Um, Clearly, I had them when I was 10. <laughs> but uh, no, just joking. Um, and they're fantastic. But they were they were young. They were around 12 or 10 when I first went into the Senate. I had worked as staff earlier than then when they were seven and five. And at that stage, we were farming, needed off farm income. And I thought, oh, what am I going to do? Um, and went to work for ministers in Canberra. So that was, that was really tough. So by the time I actually got into the Senate and into Parliament and they were a bit older, wasn't quite as hard. See, I I have it in my life that I'll I'll won't think twice about. I've given a job opportunity. Do you want to fly overseas or fly interstate to do this? And the second or third thought will be, oh, wonder about the kids. The first thought will be, yeah, cool, I can do that. No probs. Is it the same for a woman, especially in the political realm? Look, I think. It depends, again, it depends on the woman and the circumstances. I mean, my boys have the best dad in the world and he was just fantastic and we had extended family as well. So probably different circumstances mm. for me to be able to do that. But you do you do think about it a lot and whether or not you're making the right decisions and whether you're doing the right things and whether it's a good thing. And I think all parents think that in various ways. Um, it's just, I think, more obvious in the world of politics. Do you feel vulnerable when you're there in Canberra trying to do what you're trying to do as a mother and as a, as a wife and as a woman, 
as opposed to, uh, it's hard to put you in the shoes of a man feeling that way, but I think masculinity takes over in some way, shape or form or just plain ignorance about everything else that's going on them and they just <laughs> focused on whatever is going on. What I'm trying to say is women are more considerate, in my experience anyway, in yeah. terms of everything that's going on in their world. So do you feel that vulnerability at all? I don't know if it's vulnerability. I was really fortunate. My mother was an amazing role model. She was um, she was a doctor, she was a GP and just, I think, instilled uh, so much belief that you, you could do anything. Um, so I didn't feel vulnerable. You, you sort of juggle a lot of stuff, I think, as a woman. You've got more, particularly women in politics, and you, you, you've sort of got more balls in the air at once. I think blokes have a greater capacity to focus on one thing at a time. Maybe that's all they can do, but... Uh, Again, just kidding. Um, but I think women have got more considerations all at once at a point in time. I didn't feel vulnerable because of it. Sometimes you're exhausted um, and you're trying, you just try, you try and get it right. You just try to get it as close to right as you possibly can anyway. I don't know how well you always succeed or how well I succeeded, but I gave it a red hot crack. This is a pretty personal question, but did you ever get accused of being a bad mother because you weren't there all the time for your, for your kids or is that just too no, wild? No, not. Not to my face. I suspect, you know, occasionally there might have been chatter about it. You know, how could she leave her children when they're so young, X, Y, Z, and go off to work? But, and that's the funny thing, I guess. You look at fathers who go off to work in the la- nobody, nobody says boo. Um, you're a woman, and and there can be a bit of, mm. gee, you know, they're going off to do that and leaving their children. You think, oh, a bit double standard. So, yeah. Mm. Very much so. Get back to some facts about politics and I'll get your thoughts on this. So at the moment, after the 2019 election, there's half the Senate is women. So that's proportionate with the general population and how the general population is split man to woman. House of Representatives, 46 of the 151 representatives are women. Thoughts on that? It doesn't necessarily reflect the, you know, roughly 50-50 split of men and women out in the community. Um, that's obvious. It's really obvious. The The great thing about having a reasonably close balance, I think, in, in male-female representation in politics is that you get a really good spread of ideas and perspectives and it's much more reflective of what's actually going on out there in, in the community. And women bring a different perspective to round a table to discussion. It's not better or worse than men. It's just different. So if you've got a reasonably good balance of men and women, you'll get a better discussion. You'll get a better perspective on things coming forward. I noticed that a lot around the, the cabinet table, that the perspectives that men and women would bring to different things coming through cabinet um, were different. And that's a really, really good thing. So the closer we can get... It's just better balanced. Before I dive more into the 46-151 stat, is that a highly valued commodity there, that that difference of perspective, if you like? Um, now in Australian politics, is it very much taken on board by everyone in the room as opposed to maybe a couple of chauvinists being in the corner going, oh, you know, we'll, we'll take it on board, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't think there's a black and white answer to that. <laughs> I think there's probably still a few chauvinists in the corner of a few rooms. Um, but but I look at some of the incredible women that have been through Parliament that have just added such value to the nation's democracy that... Um, like who? Oh, Julie Bishop. Yep. Uh, I think she's been absolutely extraordinary. People like Amanda Vanstone, she, she was just tremendous. There's been a whole range of women go through that 
just brought something extra by the fact that they were there. Mm. But, you know, the Marsh Open is still there. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're still, still a bit blacky. I remember when I went into the Senate and I was being introduced by um, a National Party person, to just one of the party, party members at the time, and I was introduced as the new Senator for New South Wales for, for the National Party. And this bloke just looked at me and said, but you're not a bloke and you're not wearing a hat. And I went, like, clearly. Uh, yeah, so, I can put a hat on if you want. <laughs> exactly, which I do have. I'm happiest in jeans and boots anyway. anyway. Um, but it was just quite funny that the stereotype yeah. was, was, was still alive and well. Not so bad now. Not so bad now. Did he eventually come to respect you a little more? Um, I did have one male Senate colleague who apparently used to refer to me as that girl from New South Wales because he couldn't remember my name. Awesome. That was tricky. Um, but... Uh, you know, that, that's pe- different people are different. Yes, very good point. <laughs> With that split, the, the 46 for 151 spots in, in the House, um, can you run us through maybe some of the factors that have come into play to, to end up with something like that or has it just happened because it's happened? I think there's probably a whole lot of things, Adam, that, that feed into that and having been around for a while now, um, women doubt themselves a lot more than blokes in general. So if there's a, a pre-selection coming up for a seat somewhere, women will will go, am I good enough? Will I be able to do the job? Have I got the qualification? Should I be doing it? What about my family? And there'll be a million things they'll think of. And often they then fall down the, no, I won't do it side of the ledger. Whereas it probably comes back a bit to what you were saying a bit before about men are a bit freer to make choices and decisions for whatever reason. Uh so it's easier for them to say, yes, I'll put my hand up and have a go at that. Um, That's in general, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the number of times I've gone, yeah, I'll do that. And then right. I've got to, to the point of actually doing it. I've gone, oh, shit, why have I said this? <laughs> How do I get here? <laughs> um, so I think, there's, I think there's, a bit of, there's a bit of that. Women, you know, are often still a primary carer. And if they've got young kids growing up, it's harder for them to think about, yes, I would like to get... Uh, into into politics if I could. You know, politics is tough. It's not easy and pre-selections are tough and the game is tough and it's just, it's not an excuse for behaviour, but it's not an easy occupation. But it's not alone. There are a lot of occupations out there that are not easy. So it's quite, you know, it's it's quite tough. Is it back to the battle that goes on for pre-selection, the, the battle before the battle, if you like, and it's and it's harder for a, for a woman to, to state her case, especially if she comes from a, a different world as opposed to a man's resume from another world. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it, it can be. Again, I don't think you can make gross generalisations and I don't think it's black and white because I've seen some really tough women go through pre-selections and win and quite rightly and just didn't take a backward step. So it's not a sort of a men are tough, women aren't, so women don't have a crack at all. Again, it depends on the person, but I think there are more of those sort of circumstances for women, more things that they consider before they put their hand up. And I think that goes to some of the reason why we've ended up with fewer women than men in the reps. Also, when you look at some of the pre-selections, there has been a bit of a tendency for women to win pre-selections for really tough, tight marginal seats and fellows to get the safer seats. Now, that is a gross generalisation, but it does happen. It does happen. Still does. Well, I haven't been watching too closely for the last little while now that I'm in the outside world, but but I, I expect it probably does a bit. Yeah. That's a bit of a shame. Mm. How does that change? Oh, I think people calling it out. Yeah. Like you just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Look, I've got to say, to, to his credit, the current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has been really good on this. 
He's been very, very good in looking at where we've got good women who have great potential and getting them in places where they can come through. What about the misogyny episode when Julia Gillard so frankly called it out in a speech in 2012 to the face of Tony Abbott? What did that do to, and if if you're not across that, Julia Gillard, who was the Prime Minister at the time, basically looked across the chamber, House of Representatives, stared into Tony Abbott's eyes and just gave a withering burst of why he was basically a misogynist. What did that do to the, the cause, if anything, to women in politics in Australia? Oh, gee, that's a good question. Um, I remember that happening and I remember at the time thinking my perspective was if any time somebody is going to to criticise you as a woman, you take it as just because I'm a woman, that's a bad thing. Um I disagreed with a lot of what Julia Gillard did because I didn't agree with her policies and the things she was putting forward, not because she was a woman. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen and misogyny isn't there and it is and it should be called out whenever it happens, absolutely. But but for me, you know, I got, you know, lots of things wrong along the way and copped it because I'd made bad decisions and people had a go at me because I had made bad decisions. They weren't having a go at me because I'm female and I was prepared to accept that and cop it. And I think you learn from, from, from making mistakes and falling off the edge of a cliff. Um, if you pick yourself up and get going and it just makes you stronger and tougher for next time. But I don't think you should excuse your own behaviour behind the barrier of someone saying, well, they're just having a go at me because I'm a woman. It, it is hard to, like from the outside looking in at something like that, it is hard given how much, you know, showmanship or showwomanship goes into politics and, you know, trying to, to point score. And I don't know where I sit with it because you look at it and go, is that just a political card being played or is that something really deep and personal? And I, I don't know the answer. I'm not judging Julia Gellard in any way, shape or form, but you, you know what I mean? From yeah. the outside looking yeah. into politics, it's like, what actually is going on here? And, you know, and I don't have the answer either. And I think it's a really good question. And it could have been either. Mm. It, it actually could have been, it could have been either of those things. I mean, and, and who's to know? Was it, was it utilising the misogyny? Was it genuinely a feeling? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. Was it good in a way that it, it, it started a conversation on deeper thought in the greater community about how men speak to women, how men think about women yeah, in a abs- way. Yeah, absolutely. And the more we can get people to, I mean, realistically, when it comes down to it, if it's male or female, the ultimate goal is surely how about be nice and respect other people? Um, Full stop. Yeah. So, you know, why don't, why don't we look at it in those terms? But having said that, there, of course, has been obviously the the propensity for chauvinist, for some misogyny, that sort of stuff, call it out and do it. Mm. I have to say, in all of the years I was involved in politics, which was I was involved in the organisation of the Nats for a long time before I went into the party, the hardest and most difficult times I had and the the toughest things I had to deal with were from women, not from men. Really? Mm. 
And I think that needs to be called out a bit as well because there's a bit of men are bad, women are good, um, and there's certainly a mix and, and the sisterhood hmm. doesn't always kick in. In what regard? Can you go into a little greater um, detail about that? Yeah, I, I can. Um, it was sort of, it was early days. Um, this was just one example of, uh, of it sort of manifesting itself. And I remember there was a fellow who was very helpful to me learning the ropes and all that sort of thing. And um, apparently I was referred as this fellow's little bit of fluff in a miniskirt. And um, uh, uh, that didn't come from a bloke. Um, uh, you know, so just that sort of type of thing at the beginning. You think, well, really? Mm. Unless you know who your enemies are early on. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Makes things a little easier. <laughs> Identifies the uh, Yeah, yeah, the, exactly. The and I suppose the only reason I'm saying that is I think we need to give more thought that it's not necessarily black and white, yeah. that the tough times for women in politics come from men. When an opposition party attacks, does the attack have a different tact on a woman rather than a man, if you know what I mean? Are there different tactics used when, you know, like you're calling out a policy as opposed to that person's policy and that person happens to be a woman as opposed to a man. Is there different language? Is there different ways of going about it that's used when you're trying to cut at the the, the said politician's reputation? That's a really good question. I don't think so. I don't think so. One of the toughest people in, in the Senate chamber, um, and I mean this in a very complimentary way, is Penny Wong, uh, extraordinarily good at... Um, being able to get under the skin of those on the other side and to do a, a she's highly intelligent, does a really good job at at, um, at getting the outcome she wants. Does she do it differently to men, to women, as just using that as an example? I don't know. I don't, mm. I don't, I don't know. Um, I do remember that, that former, <laughs> former Senator Wacker Williams once did, and this probably is an example of where women are different, um, he did look across the chamber at, Senator Wong at the time and said, Penny, you should smile a lot more. You've got a really lovely smile. <laughs> of course, just got to put it undone a bit. But would he have said that to a bloke? Probably not. Probably. Might Mind have been you, that. she did, she did uh, acknowledge that when Wacker left Parliament and said that if it had been anyone but him, she probably wouldn't have taken it so well. <laughs> she, so she was one politician, not by the fact that she was a woman or a man, that you would not, because you were across the floor from her in, in the Senate, you wouldn't get into a you'd approach it differently just because of the type of politician she was rather than gender. A- absolutely. It had to be. And, and there were a number of politicians from, from various parties that you had to be on your game if you were going to take on. Mm. But, but again, it's like any occupation, anything. Some are better at their job than others. And if you're going to take people on that are at the top of their tree, you've, you've got to be really on your game to match it. Major parties. So yourselves, the nationals, um, Still thank call you, it yourselves. You. <laughs> You're part of the alumni. Oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm still still very involved in the organisation of the party. I'm still a nat. I'll always be a nat. So the nats, uh, the libs, liberals, labour, greens. They're they're the main ones. Um, as much as Pauline and her crew try, mm. um, they're the main ones. Does does one have a better reputation as a party that will promote or just accept a woman for being a politician rather than? looking at a gender over another? Or is it all pretty even across? Look, I don't know it's even, but it's it's different. I mean, Labor have quotas. Libs and Nats don't. In New South Wales, we have targets to try and get more women in, which I think is a really good thing. Um, the Greens, I think they do. They do pretty well 
getting women into the Greens. So I mm. think they're all different, really, and have different ways of doing things. Because the Liberals, for one, I can remember the last election, they were accused of not promoting, maybe it's back to your earlier point about, okay, we'll give the woman the, the tight seat and the, the man the, the cushy 20% swing and he's, uh, he's in trouble. But apart from that, he, sh- he should be okay and he can yeah. drive to Canberra now. But I, I suppose just on the positive side of that too, it's probably a lot of the time the fact that that woman is going to have a much better shot at winning a marginal seat than a bloke because she's actually just better at it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we shouldn't forget talent, should we? Yeah. yeah. But so quotas you don't agree with or do agree with? No, I don't. No, I'm, I'm not a fan of quotas. I remember having a discussion with a female executive at one point um, that was very high up in one of the banks at saying that I didn't believe in quotas. And she said she had changed her view along the way because while in principle she didn't agree with it, Without a quota, they weren't going to get a change. Um, I still fall down on the side of of merit and I still, I would hate to think that I had ever ended up in any of the positions that I had, be it a senator or cabinet minister or deputy leader of the party, because I was a woman. Mm. Now, other people might think differently and other women might think very differently to me and think, well, I'm quite happy to be part of a quota to get in and then prove myself that I am just as good, if not better than men. But um, it's not for me. It's more likely behind closed doors, so much of politics happens behind closed doors and on secret phone calls and all that. Is it more likely for now a, a story to be leaked or a story to go around or get out about some kind of horrible behaviour from man to woman behind the scenes as opposed to, say, 20 years ago, you know what I mean? Like outing that behaviour which is happening away from the spotlight? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I don't think... I think the level of acceptance of bad male behaviour has dropped. <laughs> Absolutely. Like the, the, I think what used to be seen as, well, that's just a normal thing to happen, is now, hang on a sec, <laughs> that mm. is not good. Um and that is not cool, and we're not going to put up with it. So yeah, I think there's a lot more, there's a lot more prevalence of that sort of stuff coming out now, which is great, which is good. How's it for the the staffers, the the ones trying to climb the ladder? Okay, you got the top there, you got your ministers and your your senators and your members of parliaments. But what about on a on a lower level inside the bubble there in Canberra, if you want to call it that? Yeah, well, having been a staffer before, I actually ended up in in parliament. I suppose I had a bit of that as well. It look, it's still. You still have it there, that occasional, there's a bloke in the room and a woman in the room, the bloke's somehow going to have more talent in, in that role. That still happens occasionally. Um, you know, it's still, I had, uh, I had a conversation with one of my former fabulous advisors just a couple of days ago about this, and she's now out of politics and, and in the corporate world, and she was saying she has to physically make herself stop getting a cup of tea for someone if they're in a room um, because of the perception it creates. And I'm, I'm sort of always of the view that it doesn't matter how high up the tree you are, you know, you make the tea, you empty the dishwasher, you do all that, all that sort of stuff, including, you know, from minister's perspective. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. Here's something, you know, she didn't mind doing, but because of the perception that the expectation would be that the female in the room would get the tea, even though there might have been several blokes in the room who were more junior to her, it's really interesting. The last one for you. So you've been involved hands-on in politics for, for 20 years. Is a woman more likely to have a high position in Australian politics or the highest position in Australian politics that being Prime Minister more likely now as opposed to 20 years ago or it hasn't changed much? 
I think it is more likely now. I think it's still not obvious and simple and it should be easier to create a perception that, yep, women should be just as easily Prime Minister than men. So I think it's better than it was 20 years ago. We're still not probably quite there though, really. I mean, when you think of when Julia Gillard was Prime Minister and there was still a lot of, you know, a female Prime Minister was, was such a shock and it always used to really, really, really annoyed me when she would get such a hard time and I would think, you know, completely on the other side of politics for me, but I would think people in this country should respect the position of Prime Minister regardless who is in it um, and that you have respect for whoever's in that position. Sure, you might disagree with their politics, absolutely have a red-hot go, but don't demean the Prime Minister, have respect for that position regardless of who's in it. So what do you think needs to change in our political system, if you like, inside the system for, for women to progress further if it can be done? I think we need to continually call out the bad behaviour when it manifests itself because if you've got a spotlight on people behaving badly, say for an example in this circumstance, if there's men within the political system who are, you know, trying to keep women down or that sort of thing, call it out, make them, put them under the spotlight. I think the other thing as well is we've got to really encourage women to be part of the political system and people who are in there need to go out and tap women on the shoulder and say, you are really good, you are terrific, you have got all these fabulous qualities, why don't you think about a career in politics and following that up? As we get more and more women who are in politics, who are successful, who are comfortable in their skin, who are achieving, the more women we have doing that, other women from the outside will see that happening and think, yeah, I can do that too. Hmm. So I think we just need to create a bit more of a culture of, yeah, I can do that for women and get them get them to put their hand up. And, and it's going to take time. You, you can't hmm. just wave a magic wand. You can't legislate for human behaviour. Uh, but you can certainly put the focus on, on the good behaviour and call out the bad stuff. Yeah, maybe it's representative of society as a whole. I don't want to get too deep and wide here, but you know oh, what I mean. It's well, well, absolutely, and there's no perfect world. You cannot say um, we're going to legislate tomorrow for 50-50 male-female across the parliament and they're all going to be brilliant and they're all going to play nice and they're you know, right. all <laughs> going to support each other because it's not like that out there in the community. And, mm. and our parliament is this wonderful representation of our communities. And often we look at parliament and go, there's all these different types and there are people we don't agree with and people we do agree with and people have views we don't like and people have views we do like, that's actually what's going on out in the communities. Mm. So it's a really, it, it's a proper democracy. It's a true representation. Fiona, uh, thank you very much for your time. It's, it's much appreciated. And if my daughters are ever thinking about going into politics after uh, this um, whole series, I'll try and talk them out of it. But if they still want to do it, I'll get them in particular to listen to this episode and uh, that might give them a few tips and hope for the future uh, for whatever they might want to do. But um, best of luck with your future and thank you for joining me. <laughs> Thanks very much, Adam. Peacock Politics was presented by me, Adam Peacock, and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Liv Proud, sound production by Darcy Thompson, theme music composed by Matthew Dwyer, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. To hear more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search Peacock Politics on Apple Podcasts.